Today on Refried Reviews, everyone is lies. Welcome back to Refried Reviews, everybody. I'm John. I'm JP. And uh, yeah, JP, uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, how, how have you destroyed whatever faith in humanity <laughs> I had left? <laughs> You'd seen this at least once before. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah. Had, I had. Um, yeah, so I, I picked up the, the Blu-ray of this recently, and I thought it would make sort of an interesting before and after discussion. Yeah. Just uh, because it in a world of aggressive marketing... Uh, I believe one of Fincher's terms for signing on was you cannot reveal the twist of this, which I guess we should say at the top, spoilers and so on. Yeah, it's it's refried reviews, guys. Like, standing <laughs> spoiler alert. You're, it, shit is on you at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, just the the fact that it was actually concealed. And I think I probably saw the movie in the fifth or sixth week of release in theaters, and, yeah. and I didn't know the twist. So Oh, you didn't? No. Wow. So uh, I, I thought it was sort of a, an effective... Um, but what's the, what's the movie? What are we watching? <laughs> what did we oh, watch? Gone Girl. We didn't say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I should have said that, I suppose. Uh, keep going. Okay. Yeah, yeah so um, so after I watched the Blu-ray, and yeah. I, was, I was sort of thinking about uh, how it plays differently, knowing all that stuff in advance, so it felt like a natural choice for this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's why I brought it to the table, and uh, we can, you know, probably touch on issues of misogyny or lack thereof and stuff like that too yeah so what did uh what did you think of it the uh the first time you saw it when did you see it and everything i'm assuming you saw it in theaters um i think you just said that actually. yeah yeah it was yeah. um i forget when exactly but you know but by, by the time it was at the local amc with 10 other people in the theater yeah yeah that was that was about how i saw it i saw it uh over in pasadena just one of those like uh you know sort of not so great multiplexes uh-huh. and uh you know like at a two dollar movie and it uh <laughs> i didn't know the twist um <laughs> which i think i knew there was a twist but fuck <laughs> like, i didn't expect it to be that well set up and that twist like it's it really is like an inflection point for the whole movie like mm-hmm. it becomes a different not just a different movie after the twist but a different kind of movie yeah, because when I sat down, I thought we were in for just a really well-made examination of like missing white girl stories, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm into this. Like, I want to watch. <laughs> da- I want to watch David Fincher tell me this story. Um, and you're not. You're not in for that. You're in for something way more uh, wacky. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I think Affleck uh, had a good performance, but the extra sort of baggage involved yeah. with it being someone who's lived through all the media circus and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was a good choice in terms of making that seem like a main focus. Yeah. And sort of you do get drawn into that without it seeming like half a movie. Yeah. And that actually, like, that's the only thing I really don't like about this is I would have really liked to just watch that movie. Like, (laughs) I like the movie we got. I like this movie. But, like, that one looked cool, too. Uh And, you know, I'm a little bit bummed that we didn't get to see the end of that. Just, like, normal, plausible because nothing about this is plausible. Um, <laughs> after a certain point, it just sure. gets like it gets. It almost calls attention to how crazy Alfred Hitchcock's plots used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because yeah, it just gets to to a point where I'm like, oh, this would never happen. Not, not, no, no one is as smart. Well, I guess like I mean, Amy doesn't turn out to be as smart as we think she is, um, since she fucking you know spoilers gets robbed. Yeah, um, and it, it is sort of like. She knows they they showcase her talent as playing the media better yeah. than being a master criminal, which is sort of how the movie plays out to some degree. I mean, yeah. there are plenty of ridiculous twists that wouldn't work, but it I felt like it's fairly well portrayed of like, oh, yeah. she would be good at this based on her position in life and yeah, and that's her history. True. That's true. She would be good at it, and she's also had a lot of practice. 
Yeah, as would, we learn, and I, would know how people react to things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, she's she's horrible. Um, <laughs> she is the worst person in the world. Um, she's so fucking awful. Yeah. It's actually like you know, there's that that really famous speech in the middle of the movie, the voiceover speech she gives about cool girls and how all guys want a cool girl, mm-hmm. and it's basically her saying like men want a woman as an accessory, not as an actual human being with agency, and like that's a great point and something that we should definitely talk about as a culture. I would be more likely to agree with it if they hadn't put it in the mouth of fucking Doctor Doom, though. Because she is a straight-up goddamn supervillain at this right. point in the movie. Well, I think based on his filmography, based on listening to the commentary, yeah. I mean, that, that seems to be Fincher's M.O. a lot of times, is to sort of say poignant things that are interesting from unexpected places, yeah, and also to make it part of a fanciful world and stuff, so it, it doesn't get bogged down in too serious of issues. Yeah, yeah. So you can have social commentary and also have fucking psychotic twists. <laughs> yeah, god damn. Um, so, uh, were you yeah. familiar with the book at all? No, no, mm-hmm. I had, I've never. You know, I, I don't think I'd ever heard of it. Apparently, it was a pretty big book when yeah, it came yeah. out. Um, but I had never heard of it before this movie. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I doubt I'll revisit it because you know she wrote the screenplay too, Jillian mm-hmm. um, Flynn. So I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure I get the story. Yeah, I've heard some people were outraged about changes, and I know a couple of dropped plots. But most of the people I've talked to are like, no, it follows about as closely as a movie adaptation, you know, can. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's using film in a oh God, it's so good. <laughs> like the movie uses editing um to draw you in because i mean i so uh, i guess let's 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 go through the plot you want to sure. start at the beginning um with that shot that's repeated at the end of her looking at the camera is it the exact same shot uh i mean i didn't thoroughly check it but it was at least sort of similar framing and everything to yeah. specifically reference it it seems like they're going for like a cool effect kind of thing where you know now that we know more about her like that <laughs> shot plays so differently yeah because at the end she definitely looks sinister mm-hmm. in a way that when i saw it the first time she didn't <laughs> and seeing it this time she definitely did in the first shot so opening shot she just looks at the camera basically that's it and uh yeah like watching it i'm just like oh yeah Yeah. i mean i I would assume (laughs) you are so dangerous (laughs) that's just how i feel looking at looking at uh rosamund pike now is just like you're just you're a threat and i need you to stay far away from me that's also an impressive kind of threat where at the end of the movie sort of multiple people know and important people know but it's you can't deal with it no no (laughs) that's sort of a cool kind of villain move yeah god yeah, spoiler alert, she totally gets away with it. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Like, she wins as thoroughly as you can win. <laughs> I mean, I guess she could have won more thoroughly if her original scheme had panned out, but given how wrong it went, mm-hmm. um, like, if she hadn't gotten robbed, she'd have been fine. <laughs> um, yeah. That would have been inter- an interesting alternate ending. <laughs> yeah, god damn. Anyway, so... So, how- oh, I, I was just going to say... Um, I would assume it's the same shot, but in the commentary, Fincher mentioned a lot of stuff about, like, making sure that, uh, of keeping track whose memory is being portrayed on screen, yeah. and to make sure the performances jibe with, you know, you would think that you are more right <laughs> yeah. in that, and so that's that's the only reason why I would think that he would play with something that slight, yeah. is because that's kind of his, his game. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that makes sense, using two different takes of it or something like that. So I guess uh, the the very beginning is when it jumps in with sort of really morbid humor about relationships and and marriage yeah. in particular, where uh, he says the ominous quotes that also have the double meaning at the end of the movie of the like what are you thinking yeah. and stuff that is creepy in performance but not necessarily creepy in a romantic kind of way of just wanting yeah. to know what your partner's feeling and that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's 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 a theme that keeps coming out through coming up throughout the movie. I mean, this movie is if it's about anything, it's about whether or not you can truly know another person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think. Um, I mean, it's also about media's obsession with missing white girls. It's about the media's need to contextualize certain people. It's about how we uh you know extrapolate in from uh extrapolate entire personalities based on limited information mm-hmm. um you know it's about the importance of context it's also about how uh, amazing amy is evil <laughs> um you know all those things uh but i mean yeah. there were even they they didn't jump too far into it but there was plenty of sort of law enforcement hints of how much it is driven by the media 
Oh, yeah. And, yeah. like, suspicions are dismissed if they're unpopular. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Patrick Fugit just straight up is like, this guy did it. Like, why are we waiting? <laughs> like, let's go arrest him. Fuck mm-hmm. you. Fuck you, Patrick Fugit. <laughs> he was innocent. I mean, he is kind of a dickhead, but he is he's, he's innocent. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's 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 what I think the just the num the the a number one thing is uh, is like, can you know people? Mm-hmm. And it keeps coming up over and over and over. Um, but anyway, so we start like the morning of. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's his fifth wedding anniversary. Is yeah. That right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I guess the first thing I noticed is it's sort of a still shot of a house. Uh, it reminded me very much of Sopranos establishing shots for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but I guess sort of jumping to mind immediately was just how uh, how simply shot it is. Where it's something, considering that we have multiple timelines intersecting and stuff, it's yeah. really a, a fairly simply edited and simply presented movie. I, yeah. I think in a good way. Oh, yeah. Like in a, in a Fincher has the whole toolbox available to him, but is very yeah. careful about which ones he picks up kind of thing. I love non-indulgent later Fincher. Like, mm-hmm. I love Zodiac on Fincher so much <laughs> that, like... I kind of, like, find it harder to really enjoy, like, Seven and Fight Club. And I love Seven and Fight Club. I think they're fantastic films. But, like, he's just so restrained now and so economical that I'm just like, oh, God, you're... When he he does so little that everything he does matters so much, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just goddamn brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he's quite a filmmaker and has yeah. come a long way as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Right in, uh, we he goes to the bar that he owns with his sister. Yep, the bar. Yeah, and uh, excellent title. It's very meta. <laughs> and uh, we get some general exposition dialogue and a feeling for, okay, he's very close with his sister. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he's having problems with the wife. Uh, like where it used to be great and now it's not so great. Yeah. So they're they're but hinting it, that there's been some history and yeah. things aren't fantastic. Did, but did you get a feeling that it was anything more than just like, huh? Um, I mean, it, it didn't in that conversation. At least the first time I saw it, it didn't feel like horrible. No, you know? no, no. But it's yeah, exactly. It it felt more like. Not necessarily that something terrible is going on, but that it is the anniversary and that he's in a bar in the morning drinking with his sister yeah. instead of doing something about that. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. so, yeah, sort of just giving you the implication that things have at least settled and yeah. aren't great if, yeah. you know, it's not if the not kind bad. Of, it's not the kind of rut you can't dig yourself out of, but it mm-hmm. felt like a rut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so had you seen the trailers and stuff? Like, you knew the gist of of the the house was toppled when he came home and stuff yeah i base i the the main thing i knew about the movie going in the first time was it's a movie about a guy whose wife is whose wife disappears and it looks like there's signs of a struggle and then he ends up caught up in you know a fucking crazy ass casey anthony natalie holloway (laughs) a missing white girl sort of narrative okay yeah that's that's about what i knew going in as well um so after the the bar sequences when we get our first introduction to the the sort of journaling device oh yeah 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 so that helps move the plot along and is is maybe the most direct um thing to be read differently the first and second time god it's so cool (laughs) yeah so this uh what seems like a rather straightforward backstory of just amy um uh do we say their names are amy and nick i guess uh we we said amy but not nick yeah okay so so it's sort of her chronicling their early relationship and how they got together. Um, I'm looking at my notes here. I can't remember yeah. if her note if they did it totally in order. They do. Okay. Um, yeah. It's the the first one was the night he meets uh, Amy at a party, and then he does the thing where he puts he covers up his chin, and then they go and see the sugar, mm-hmm. um, which is great because you learn later that the sugar thing, like that part, might all be true, but. You know, it plays so much different when you know that it's lies. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the I guess it's it. Let's talk about the twist now. I think okay. um, so that we can talk about the first half of the movie in the context of the twist. Mm-hmm. So why don't you lay it on us? Like what the deal is? All right. So I guess the journal is the first step in her plan. So what what's happened is that Amy has discovered that she's being cheated on, and she's already sort of unhappy with the marriage because in a recession they both lo- they both lost their. Jobs, they move from the big cosmopolitan city to Missouri. I yeah, think. Carthage, Carthage, Missouri. So because Nick's mom got breast cancer, and now they're stuck there. Yeah, so uh, they're sort of running out of money. She feels like, uh, well, I guess by the end of the movie, we know that she feels that she has been slighted to a great degree. Like she, um, 
she did all this work to build the perfect life and sort of he hasn't measured up and done the same. He's gotten yeah. lazy and just sits around the house and doesn't have the ambition, doesn't treat her nicely the same yeah. way anymore. So sort of she, she, she's got these crazy expectations of him and he's not living up to them. And mm-hmm. her feeling, like you said, seems to be like, I have set the table for you. Like, and now it's time for you to step up and become the man that I want you to be, mm-hmm. which is such a fucking evil, backwards, passive aggressive <laughs> way of looking at doing things for somebody. Uh-huh. Like I have like, it, it'd be like if I just decided that for our friendship to continue, I need, I really needed you to get into golf. <laughs> and then I bought you a bunch of clubs and uh-huh. kept inviting you out, but you just weren't having a good time. And I just became so <laughs> resentful of you for that. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like a version of that. Like it doesn't feel like she's super communicative about any of this. No. That sort of she's just built the expectation in her head and is furious at him, but hasn't necessarily told him he's a fuck up for these specific reasons. Yeah. Well, she's also got a really specific idea of the kind of guy she wants him to be mm-hmm. and is pushing really actively pushing him in that direction and is really angry that he doesn't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a pretty controlling and disempowering way to treat your partner. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of not cool. Just saying. <laughs> Yeah, so that was sort of her half of the, you know, the early backstory we just heard that Ben Affleck doesn't seem quite satisfied. She is a bubbling pot of rage, apparently, at this point, (laughs) and has long been plotting. Yes. Is the, did she say she was writing the journal for three months or something? Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) For like a long, I don't know, I don't know if it's three months, but it's a long, I mean, she wrote a journal. Yeah. Chronicling like (laughs) years of a relationship that's fictional. (laughs) Yeah, so um, as we find out later, she has been writing this journal that starts out with the true story of their relationship and then slowly blends into her being abused and with the the end game of framing him for her murder after yeah. she sort of escapes the whole yeah. situation. And that goes so far as setting up a fake crime uh, scene and then cleaning it up poorly so he'll be caught. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that's the the big twist is that she's still alive. I guess yeah. we should say because he's not it's... just framing. She's not just framing him for her murder. She's framing him for her murder by staging by poorly staging a kidnapping, mm-hmm. and then making it look like he faked a kidnapping and murdered her. Like it's <laughs> it's great. It's a great like false flag kind of operation, mm-hmm. you know, because she's kind of planted a lie on top of a second lie because. They know, she knows that people's natural tendency when they uncover a lie and see another layer is to assume the second layer is the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, because he'll, he'll have lost so much credibility at that point. Um, anyway, it's it's really pretty brilliant and diabolical. Yeah. Um, it also makes me just think, well, I'll throw this out real quick. Remember that strain of like 90s erotic thrillers that came out? Like, there were tons of them, like Single White Female and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, what was the one, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle and like <laughs> all those that were all about like a happy family being invaded by an evil woman. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, from like 1989 to 1993, we just made a ton <laughs> of those for some reason. Uh-huh. Uh, fucking Basic Instinct, um, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, um, <laughs> This is, like, the best version of that that could ever exist. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that might be what, especially given what the movie turns into, it's just David Fincher watching Single White Female and going, oh, I'll make make the best version of a domestic erotic (laughs) thriller you could ever imagine. Best, most fun, best, most plausible, best... Best, best, best. Like, it is the best film you could make out of that kind of idea. Um, You know, barring, I don't know... uh, no, it's just the best. It's the best one. Um, yeah, so as as we were sort anyway. of alluding to, the, the diary is a really cool device because uh, you get her reading it in voiceover, explaining the backstory of it. And it's not suspicious that she, she's absent from the movie because of the voiceover and uh, interspliced with flashbacks of what she's talking about. Yeah. So it's not like, why did they hire this actress if she's not in it? Like, she's the got obvious. The, she's got all the credibility in the fucking world uh-huh. like, <laughs> at this point. And the way, that, the way that the voiceover is read and that it's shown, there's no indication that she's still alive. Like, it, it feels very much like this could be a dead woman's journal. Yeah. And I 100% bought that it was yeah. until she showed up halfway through the movie driving a fucking tiny, shitty little Toyota. Um, or a Ford. It's a Ford. Um, but yeah, it's, it's goddamn amazing and brilliant. Um, yeah. and as it goes, Nick loses credibility, which, you know, is one thing I love about, you know, he goes, so he comes home, he finds the crime scene mm-hmm. and, uh, then he calls the police 
and uh, Patrick Fugit and Kim Dickens show up, <laughs> and they're delightful. Uh-huh. Um, but the thing is, the, the thing I noticed rewatching the uh, the invest the initial walkthrough investigation scene where they're going to every room in the house and everything is like you're it made me nervous watching it because i'm concerned about what the cops will find because i don't really know nick Mm -hmm. you know and it just it's a way of putting me in the shoe as the audience in the shoes of that theme and saying like yeah you don't you don't know this guy like (laughs) maybe they'll turn a corner and they'll find a dead body like what why do you trust him you dipshit (laughs) (laughs) i was looking at the uh the wikipedia page or something earlier today yeah and i I can't remember if it was David Fincher or Trent Reznor, but in discussing the score, they said that sort of the vibe they wanted to have was, uh, I think it was Fincher, was in a uh, a chiropractor's waiting room, and he said it was the most, like, false facade trying to convince you everything is okay music, but, like, a clear veneer of, yeah. you know, you're doing a bad job of trying to make me feel better about being in a doctor's office. Yeah. And sort of that he wanted to capture that feeling the whole way through of sort of music that's trying to calm you. But yeah. because of the context, <laughs> it just comes off worse. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you're not helping. Yeah. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't good what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought the whole movie was pretty good at, at keeping you off center. Mm hmm. And um, I'm not sure if this is because I'm a big Fincher fan and I was just sort of taking it in versus trying to tear apart what was going to happen. Yeah. But I didn't have a ton of theories about what might happen. I was just kind of watching it as it unfolded. Yeah. Uh, so, so sorry if you already mentioned this, but you, did you know that there was a twist? Um, I knew that the book had a reputation for like a, a crazy violent ending and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't really know there was like a narrative shifting kind of thing going gotcha, on. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it blindsides you. It definitely does. Because, uh, yeah, he, he the investigation happens, and then uh, he ends up calling uh, Amy's parents. And then we get that flashback about Amazing Amy. Mm-hmm. And Amazing Amy is among the creepiest things in any movie ever. <laughs> um, basically, because uh, there's this, the, the film builds this relationship between Amy in the first half in the flashbacks, Amazing Amy, and then Amy in the second half. Like, does she even have a self is what I came away. So mm-hmm. Amazing Amy is this series of children's books that Amy's mom wrote about this blonde girl who's perfect in every way. Mm-hmm. And it comes out pretty quickly that uh, Amy's mom has mined the details of her life to create an idealized version of her that exists in these books. Mm-hmm. Like she says, like, Amy quit the cello, and so Amazing Amy became a prodigy. Right. Um, and, like, all these things that, like, Amy disappointed her mom in real life doing Amazing Amy excelled at. Which is a little bit, honestly, now that I think about it, just saying it out loud, basically what Amy does to Nick um, mm-hmm. she's just doing what her mom did to her, but not in a book, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, that's fucking interesting. Um, <laughs> like she, as much as she hates it, she unconsciously kind of learned this pattern of behavior, just like we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, and now is imposing that upon somebody else because, you know, abuse is cyclical. <laughs> I, I did think it was a good way to, with using relatively small runtime, sort of put a lot of that on her. Because yeah. this this movie is kind of fighting an uphill battle, yeah. I would I would imagine of the uh, just the idea of she's basically a psychotic girlfriend stereotype, like yeah. taken to the nth degree. Yeah. Like it, it's a hard movie to not come off just it, sort of immediately triggering that nerve. Yeah, so and sort of building in a lot of elements of uh, like there are uh, there are smart women, there are um, like you know the. Uh, is Boney the detective's name? Oh, I forget her name, but yeah. But, um, like, she's clearly the most competent one of anyone on the force. Yeah, so, like, even the FBI agents at the end. She's the only one who's actually interested in getting to the truth. Yeah, so I, I guess just touching on that briefly, I thought they did a good job of building in a lot of sort of uh, circumstance around yeah. these characters. A story like this could feel misogynist really easily, yeah. and it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and part of, the re- part of that uh, is building this deep psychology for Amy herself. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, she definitely feels wrong. Like, she's not correct in what she's doing. There is nothing, like... And I appreciate this, because the other thing they would have done if they were lazy is write her as, like, being kind of justified. Um, mm-hmm. Because they could have, like, left in the abuse or something. And then she's, like, a woman out for revenge. Right, right. That's true. But no, she's not. She's just <laughs> She's just kind of 
a selfish, spoiled brat mm-hmm. um, trust fund kid who, you know, always who was used to getting what she wanted and also thought that what you did to love people was to foist your expectations upon them and mold them into, you, into what you wanted them to be. And then when they didn't, you know, conform to those expectations, you smashed your toys and you moved on. And sort of if you if you drive people away and hurt them and this this whole framework that you've set up is i believe that you should be perfect at a b c and d yeah that sort of uh, in my experience that that leads to outlash like uh, lashing out against those kind of things oh, yeah. so if you're telling if someone that you're perfect at everything and you're writing books about it and step yeah. 1 is fucking your boyfriend in a bookstore yeah and then maybe step 90 is being like, all right, well, maybe I'll break away from society and shave my head and, uh, yeah. you know, eventually kill myself as a final stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there is there is nothing incredibly gender-specific about her psychology. Mm-hmm. Like, she's definitely informed by her cultural status as a woman, mm-hmm. um, and hence the cool girl speech and everything. But, like, there's nothing... Like, she, she doesn't feel like a type at all, and I, I very much appreciated that. Um, she just feels like a bad person. Um, and, and it's a it's a touchier subject the um, portraying a woman that way. But yeah. I also appreciated that Ben Affleck's character is he's kind of a moron. He's a bad person like, too. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of a vapid jackass. Yeah, I think the only good people in this whole story are uh, his twin sister and the and Kim Dickens. Yeah, like that's pretty. And you know, uh, Tyler Perry actually is not a bad guy. Yeah. Um, he's he's got he's full of good advice. He's the best that Tyler Perry's ever been in anything. He's probably the closest to like the eye of Fincher, just laughing at all of this. Yeah, he's like, Jesus, this is, this is some fucked up shit right here. <laughs> uh, he's great. So uh, the so his parents so Amy's parents get into town, and then we start seeing like the media's portrayal of this uh, this incident kind of. Uh, like sort of influencing the actual incident mm-hmm. where uh, they have that press conference and you know setting up a tip line and everything and then um poor fucking ben affleck he's uh <laughs> nick is standing in front of this picture and all these reporters are taking pictures and then someone shouts hey can you give us a smile and he just because he's, he's he's fucking beat he hasn't slept in three days he just mm-hmm. smiles for half a second because mm-hmm. he was told to and yeah. he's not thinking <laughs> and that picture ends up on fox news um, you know, pretty much on uh, Nancy Grace. Yeah, it's obviously this. It's obvious this is Nancy Grace. Um, mm-hmm. On a, on a <laughs> semi-related note, fuck Nancy Grace. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I'm pretty sure in the commentary they said they tried to do an exaggerated version and they had to scale it back. <laughs> yeah, she's such an too much evil, evil person. <laughs> she's one of the worst people in the world. Well, also with the with going to the the parents coming to town and sort of him starting to stumble over himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, it's been clear that he's not a great husband in yeah. the questioning. He doesn't know very much about his wife and yeah. what she does during the day and all that. And when uh, he calls the parents is the first sign that he's really not prepared to handle this kidnapping situation either. Yeah, where uh, uh, Kim Dickinson has has to. Tell them, you haven't called their parents yet? Like, yeah. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, you probably should have done that. <laughs> yeah, and um, and then a continuation of how she knows how to manage the media. It seems pretty clear that a lot of those she subconsciously learned from the parents because the parents know how to mug for the camera. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They definitely both seem more poised and understand, like, you know, making... They they understand how to put a version of themselves out there. And he doesn't, because he's not as practiced at it as, you know, as Amy's parents. Yeah. Because he's not a best-selling author. And similar to the theme of, like, no one's sort of innocent in this whole story, there's yeah. the thing later where we know he's a shitty person who had an affair and all that, and they still had the scene of the um, of Amy's mom sort of being too high and mighty to she tells him he's not acting dignified or whatever oh yeah when they're on the, like, on, the, we're on the shore of that uh, river or whatever yeah and you can tell from her voice it's more of a like don't be seen talking to people like that and stuff and yeah she's like, these people came to help find your daughter yeah and, like yeah. you could be cordial yeah and it's and you know i think she partly was talking about that woman who took the selfie with him mm-hmm. and like poor guy he doesn't have any control over that <laughs> like she's asking him to gain control over something he doesn't know how to control mm-hmm. which is how he is perceived in the public eye because i mean and it's it's easy to identify with him in those moments because it gets me thinking about like okay well what if a whole bunch of you know um cameras you know turned on me 
and you know uh, and suddenly you know everything i did was under a microscope i it would not be hard to portray me as a weird aloof fuck up mm-hmm. or you could portray me as a saint i could do the same thing with you i could do the same thing with any listener like mm-hmm. if i take if i took a bunch of facts about your life out of context i could make you seem like whatever kind of person i wanted yeah you know and i thought that was a, a an interesting thing in the in the second watch is the moments where they sort of in the in the quiet times discuss their portrayal in the media where uh you know ben affleck's sister says like no it's good that you look like shit like yeah sort of having an awareness that you're supposed to be presenting an image beyond what you're actually feeling or whatever and that stuff feels a little more callous the first time through when when as far as you know he is the killer yeah or at least is involved somehow yeah i definitely thought he might be involved somehow um also uh real quick side note i really love how amy's parents are lit during the press conference uh-huh. like you know the the whole place you know is just kind of you know stayed but they are like there's this big harsh fucking halo around them and it's just it just <laughs> sets them apart and makes them look like kind of angelic and also kind of not real mm-hmm. because they're you know the more you're in the public eye and the more your presence is mediated the less real you seem in this movie you see it later too when uh there's there's a later scene where uh kim dickens and patrick fugue go to investigate because they uh they hear that um uh or no they just go to they just i think they just go to do a sweep of that creepy ass abandoned mall mm-hmm. cuz there's just a zombie apocalypse in the middle of this town <laughs> that no one's talking about there's this i guess it's a mall that shut down and now a whole bunch of like drug addicts live there mhm and they go to that one guy and give him the picture of Amy and say, like, have you seen this woman? And he looks down and there's that shot of the flashlight shining through the picture. And then we see the reverse image coming through it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love that because Amy is see-through. Like, there is no her at the bottom, you know. And we're kind of being told, like, no, like, if you shine a light on Amy, it'll just pass right through her because <laughs> there is no person there. Huh. There's just, you know, there's amazing Amy. There's a whole bunch of expectations, but we don't really ever get to know who that essential girl is. You know, she she rails about the cool girl thing and how she had hopes and dreams. But, like, what were they? Like, yeah. it's almost like Lex Luthor railing against Superman and being like, I'd do so much if it wasn't for you. And I just want to go, <laughs> fine. What? What would you do? You're going to knit? You're going to write? You're going to build a house? You're going to fucking run for Congress? Like, what are your plans? Well, and in terms of media expectations of people keying into the portrayal, there was the, um, you know, the, that super creepy Slenderman teen, the, yeah. like, 13-year-olds that tried to stab their friend. Yeah. the I, I saw that in particular compared to a lot of headlines of, like, what could have happened to these poor girls versus 13-year-old thug you know like this is clearly who they always were but these two white girls were clearly something clean and pure and were corrupted somehow yeah and so yeah it's it's definitely a great analysis of that sort of coverage yeah yeah yeah. and you know that's just not the way the world works it turns out being a horrible person crosses gender race and economic (laughs) lines um anybody can be one yeah (laughs) Let's see. Yeah. So uh, the, 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 the press conference happened and they set up that big command center. Then they had the candlelight vigil where uh, Amy's best friend starts showing up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. But before that, um, where it's revealed that Nick has a girlfriend, which, again, is the movie before the twist. This is all before the twist. And it's just the movie calling Nick's credibility into question more and more and more. Because mm-hmm. at this point, I'm like, oh, he's got a secret girlfriend. That was like, a great plant. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> and she's horrible. I love <laughs> that about her that she's like i had rehearsals godspell i'm like oh you suck <laughs> you are just the worst person yeah uh, i love you for it um you're you're so not prepared for what's about to happen to you you poor poor idiot <laughs> and also plays better when you think that she's probably murdered or missing or something and and this college student is like but when are you gonna call me yeah yeah you selfish selfish little <laughs> child um yeah that was fun yeah it's it's pretty fantastic um and fincher with a a rare moment of levity with the visual joke of uh quickly shutting her uh shuttering her out the back door oh god yeah and, <laughs> and then, then the sister just being there watching it and if you watch that wide shot of, of of him shuffling her out the back door you can see that margo's bedroom door <laughs> is open that's i great. noticed it this time and i was like oh wait that's Huh. And then, like, it's this great... It reminded me of... It's a more subtle version of that trick in the in the series finale of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. um, where... Uh, spoilers for the end of Breaking Bad. Um, where Walt is hidden behind that post, 
um, in oh, Skyler's yeah. apartment, and uh-huh. then the camera just dollies and reveals him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. um, this is a more subtle version of that, but it's they're 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 equally effective. Um, yeah. So that after that. Um, so that's when she sort of confronts him about like, don't you understand that yeah. everyone thinks you did it? <laughs> yeah, like, he sort of he's been largely oblivious to this point. Like he's no yeah. he's he knows that he's been making mistakes, but I don't I don't think he realizes until she kind of screams in his face. That yeah, it's he, like you're probably going to go to prison for this. Yeah, he doesn't really seem to understand or want to understand the gravity of the situation. Mm-hmm. Like he seems like he's treating this all as an inconvenience because he's been going through life just kind of sleepily for the last like 2 years. <laughs> uh-huh. And he's just like, "Oh, now this shit. Uh, missing wife." Oh. Well, it's almost like Amy kind of felt like I'm done, so we should be the perfect couple now. And yeah. he was like, "I'm done, so I can lay on the couch." Yeah, <laughs> like there are different views of the end game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think, uh, oh yeah, because then uh, they have the big candlelight vigil, and then Amy's best friend shows up and mm-hmm. is like, "What? Tell tell him what you did to your pregnant wife." <laughs> and everybody's like, "She was pregnant? Oh my god!" Um, and it's clearly true. Yeah, <laughs> this this crazy stranger said it. Um, yeah, so then, you know, they find the, uh, the the pregnancy test and all that shit, and it's like, oh, she definitely is. And there's that wonderful uh, that, that wonderful series of shots of uh, Nick being shuffled away from the gazebo candlelight vigil, and it's all stroby. <laughs> and like, ah! Um, I, I really, really love that stuff. And then... Um, I liked his heartfelt speech with the mistress out in the crowd mouthing asshole at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all so damn good. Um <laughs> And yeah, I just have in my notes, Nick's story, re-Amy wanting kids, contradicts the flashbacks. It makes Nick look more guilty. Damn, this is well constructed. Because <laughs> like, he's talking about how she didn't want kids, and we see in the flashbacks, which we have no reason to doubt at this point in the film, mm-hmm. um, that uh, that she did want kids. We're like, oh my god, this guy's even more of a liar. Maybe Nick did it. And then shazam, he opens up the shed, there's all the shit, and you're like, aw, fuck. <laughs> um, the, and they, uh, they, before the kids won, they did like the life insurance oh, policy. They're starting yeah. to get like really suspicious stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, they um, then then uh, he finally figures out uh, the woodshed clue uh, for their anniversary. Opens it up. There's all the shit that she bought on her credit cards to make him look even more guilty. <laughs> and uh, it's a good stomach drop. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. And then then the twist and the cool girl speech. Um, and we kind of uh, we kind of talked about what her 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 um, scheme is. Um, and the line, uh, to fake a convincing murder, you have to have discipline, like as if she's telling, you know, a daughter or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Though th- th- this is one of the points where, uh, around here is when I started feeling like the movie, if, if I have a criticism, it's that it suffers a little bit from lost syndrome mm-hmm. that like, if these characters would just talk to each other, then a lot of the problems <laughs> would be solved. Like if Nick just had the balls to come clean and be like, look, here's the deal. I'm having an affair. A bit, a whole bunch of shit just showed up in my shed. Also, it's got this note that talks about how I'm going to be sent up the river. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's in Amy's handwriting. Uh-huh. Like, I think there might be something suspicious going on here. Um, can you please help me? And yeah, that made me, um, that made me go, okay, why are you have a, you basically have a written confession from your wife that she's framing you for murder. Why are you not taking this to the cops? Yeah. Like that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I feel like I'm probably defending it more than it deserves, but if I had a counterpoint to that, it would be sort of, doesn't Kim Dickens at one point call out like that there was a clue labeled clue was the first thing they found. And yeah, so sort of someone calls it out on all being a little too clean. Yeah. And I mean, I think you even said earlier that she shows that she's not, uh, she's not necessarily a master at this aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, but Kim I mean, Dickens you're, comes, yeah. Kim Dickens <laughs> right comes off it, as a reasonably competent detective, not like Sherlock Holmes, but she seems like she kind of knows what she's doing. It's believable that she would be fooled by this because it is admittedly a very good scheme. <laughs> so, I mean, if, you know, if I wanted to argue strongly in favor of, you know, of that, it would be that um, it's doing that the media portrayal is more important than the facts. And that's why it works. Yeah. Like yeah. she's manipulating it. She knows that all these small details will be overlooked. Yeah, but yeah, it is. It is a little silly that he goes to such lengths 
without yeah just trying to come clean for sure for sure um so yeah then we follow amy for a while while she goes and hides out in a um she she outlines her whole scheme and all the different things that uh that she did to sort of make the murder seem plausible like fucking uh, getting a bunch of her blood out of her (laughs) arm and then throwing it around and then clean cleaning it up poorly uh befriending a local idiot yeah which is a pregnant woman and then stealing her urine <laughs> that was wonderful uh, <laughs> you would think that would be one of the weirdest things that she does for this plan it's not <laughs> it's like number four <laughs> yeah it's gonna get weirder um so uh then i guess there's it's the stories kind of get parallel at this point because we we're watching what amy's been up to while we were watching the first half of the movie and we're also watching time continue for uh for nick Mm -hmm. because nick goes and he decides he needs to a get in touch with uh or with uh what's his name the 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 lawyer played by tyler perry we're just gonna call him tyler perry uh Tanner Bolt. Yeah, Tanner Bolt. <laughs> what an awesome name. This guy yeah. rules. Um, who's basically Johnny Cochran with a soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Um, it's the best thing Tyler Perry's ever done by, yeah. like, a lot. Um, and he, I think I read that he said that if he had known, uh, like, what the script was about, he wouldn't have done it. Really? Yeah, because he's, uh, you know, all about family values and shit. And, sure. But, like, I mean, as much as he makes those movies about, like, people cheating on people and doing each other wrong and then, like, accidentally getting AIDS and shit, <laughs> like, that's seriously the plot of one of his movies. <laughs> um, I really, really hope he paid attention to someone doing this correctly. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, no, here's how you make these movies and it not feel icky. Um, so, uh, so I guess the end game for, or the, the the sort of stopping point for Amy is that she hides out in basically a trailer park in what looked like maybe Arkansas or something. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't remember a specific location and said she was from New Orleans, has a horrible Southern accent, which at first I really didn't like, but now I really do like Mm -hmm. that. She's just bad at it. (laughs) Um, yeah. So then, yeah, go ahead. I just, I guess in terms of. Uh, they they play a little bit into it. It feels like the the um, the affair really kind of broke the camel's back in this, and that's yeah. where a lot of the vengefulness comes from. Yeah, with uh, you think I'd let him destroy me and end up happier than ever. Sort of like that. That really seems to drive her nuts. Again, going yeah. back to the idea of like I did everything I was supposed to for part one of this plan. Yeah, and now you're dropping the ball and you're fucking me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are not on the team anymore, and so I have to destroy you. Yeah, and we also see her commitment as she slams herself in the face with a hammer. God damn! And the noise it makes that <laughs> just and falling out of frame. Or uh, did they just cut it? I can't remember. It's uh, I think something no, she, disturbing. Oh, she flies back out of frame. It's great. Just whap. God damn, Amy. Yeah. So yeah, she's lying in wait, watching the media coverage unfold. Just ends up at the Ben Done Wrong apartments, where everybody Ben Done Wrong. <laughs> her tramp stamp neighbor yeah who i who i enjoyed mm-hmm. um tramp stamp neighbor with what appears to be a cold sore um yeah <laughs> i imagine uh, that was on purpose yeah and there's not much, there's not too much to tell there except that they eventually figure out she has a money belt full of cash and they rob her mm-hmm. and that's that um yeah. and then at the end they say be care be more careful next time there are worse people out there than us <laughs> yeah after slamming her head into a wall and, uh i mean which like they're kind of right like uh, yeah, you know certainly. like that could have gone way worse for her <laughs> it's a harsh world like <laughs> it was more the endearing tone yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then i love how uh she's kind of piles all of her shit into her shitty little car and is like sleeping in hotel par- motel parking lots and shit and there's then then there's that wonderful shot of her finally deciding to call desi and uh like as it, we we sort of pan away from her um making the phone call on a payphone as like all these trucks in the truck stop sort of come into frame and just close around her because mm-hmm. she's just out of options that was <laughs> that was very nice um i really yeah. enjoyed that and they also i believe she actually uh they had her gain some weight through production to to have some fun with the idea of she has in had been sacrificing for so long that yeah. on her revenge road trip she's just eating cheetos and stuff nonstop. so i thought that was a fun uh oh, a that's, fun pretty take. Fa- that's pretty fantastic yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, she calls Desi. You want, you want to talk about who Desi is? So we've, we've heard a couple different things about him so yeah. far. Uh, I mean, the, 
we don't quite know whether to trust Amy anymore at this yeah. point in the movie. But the the biggest chunk that we heard about him was that he was sort of a creepy ex-boyfriend. Something happened, and she ended up taking out a restraining order against him. Yeah. And uh, did he... He showed up, didn't he, when she first disappeared? Don't we get a glimpse yeah, yeah, of him? Yeah, he was, he was there, yeah. And he greets the parents or something like that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, he just signs in and then or, disappears. Yeah. I see. Uh, yeah, so the the only real information that we have about him that we don't know whether to trust was that that he was sort of a creepy ex-boyfriend that, that got too close and wouldn't leave her alone. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember like exactly... high school sweethearts or something. Yeah, that's that sounds right. Um, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I think when they were first uh, talking to Amy's parents is when we also get the hint that she has sort of a string of bizarre, like, needed a restraining order against this one. And yeah, they say in... Was uh, stalked by this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. when, when Amy's parents are talking to the cops, they say, oh, Amy tends to attract this type. Oh, right, right. You know, obsessives. <laughs> and, of course, we just think, oh, it's because, you know, she's in these children's books, and that makes sense. And it, No, she seeks this... <laughs> she, she makes this happen. Mm-hmm. Like, so is... um, So that that's sort of what we know about Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. And... Uh, so before we get back to him, I guess Nick goes and sees him at one point. Yeah, Nick where? talks to the other ex first because mm-hmm. um, Tanner Bolt's like, "Why have you not tracked these guys down? Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe they've done this. Maybe she gaslit them too." And excuse me, spoiler alert: she totally did. Um, <laughs> she absolutely fucked up their lives. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he goes to see Desi, and Desi just sort of shuts him down. And mm-hmm. Desi, I guess, is I don't know how he made all his money, but he's super fucking rich now. Um, <laughs> he is doing very very well. Um, yeah. <sighs> And uh, first, first boyfriend that he sees basically reveals that uh, that he was framed for rape. Yeah, he's 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 a registered sex offender now, mm-hmm. and can't get it like can't get a date and can't uh, hold down a good job. Like <laughs> she ruined his life. Yeah, with the uh, wonderfully concise line, "There's Amy. She's graduated from being raped to being murdered." <laughs> when he saw her on TV, and uh, in the commentary, Fincher said something. I think it was, "Isn't there a line?" Um, it's like, do I have a rapist face? Or he says something like that. Yeah. It was like the whole reason I needed this scene to be in here, the reason I needed to cast that guy, like, was to deliver that line. <laughs> do I have a rapist face? Of just sort of getting kind of a a meek, weaselly, nice enough looking guy to just be like, look, it wasn't me. And you believing him just kind of based on what he looks like. <laughs> and I did. I yeah. totally did. I also believed him based on the fact that I just watched Amy do this. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, certainly. Like, yeah, she seems much more likely to be the rapist than the rapey <laughs> if I'm picking at this point. So, yeah. Now She's she, evil, uh, you guys. She's evil. <laughs> so, uh, continuing on her evil path, um, now that her money is stolen and she kind of figures she's out of options, uh, she decides to reach out to Neil Patrick Harris. Now, to do Desi. you think that at this point she knows she's going to murder him? Mm, it seems like the big turning point is when he reaches uh, when uh, Ben Affleck does his little performance to win her back on TV. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm sure she's going to fuck him somehow. It seems because it doesn't seem like she's interested in in being with him. No. So no. she's at least manipulating him for her yeah. own means for this plan, and well, I don't see how it would end well. It's funny that she can't seem to respect him because he does to her what she does to Nick. Mm-hmm. Like she wants he he clearly wants to control her. Like he wants what he thinks she is. Yeah, kind of a. He wants to make her a version of mm-hmm. him, like like how you know he's showing her. Like I, I have in my notes, "Hi, I'm Neil Patrick Harris, and this is my big swinging house dick." <laughs> when he uh, when he brings her over to like that house that's just amazing, and like you know is like taking uh, and and she she's trying to watch the news, and he's taking the iPad out of her hand and stuff, and like loudly pouring wine. Yeah. <laughs> It's wonderful and hilarious, um, but it's also like controlling and creepy and stifling. Yeah, um, and and there exactly are security the- con- uh, cameras that will keep you safe, <laughs> which has a funny connotation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's uh, he's he's basically Amy with a dick. Yeah, um, which is why it's kind of wonderful they found each other. Yeah, and sort of the idea that you don't get the impression that they've had much contact necessarily. I mean, she's a psycho, maybe, but that he comes out with 20 years of keeping me dangling. And I like, think they've just been exchanging letters for 20 years, yeah. Oh, really? Like, do they say a regular? Oh, that's right, because he finds a letter, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, anyway, but just that, that does sort of speak to her kind of psychosis yeah. of, like, you kept me dangling for 20 years. I got married and stuff. Like, I don't... Let's see how that's i don't know anyway yeah. 
Yeah, it no, speaks to his character how creepy he is as well. Yeah. But you really don't know how much of it is her manipulating him right. just in case she needs a plan B because she would think in those terms and or him just being crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the film gives us enough information to make that determination. That's true. Um, and I kind of like that. Like, <laughs> who fucking knows at this point? Everyone is lies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. And then, uh, also he wears a sport coat and a polo shirt that makes him look like a fucking douche nozzle. <laughs> That's what I have to say about your outfit, Neil Patrick Harris. I mean, I didn't get the feeling they were trying to present him as fantastic necessarily yeah. throughout. He's fucking horrible. <laughs> I don't know that they're presenting it, that it, uh, he deserves what he gets. But... He does not deserve what he gets. No, <laughs> but he is, but he is a pretty shitty dude. Um, and as, as kind of horrific as uh, as that infamous scene is, the uh, the wine bottle and running screaming to the window is pretty is pretty unsettling to watch. Yeah, so so I guess that is when I mean she's definitely got the plan at that point. Yeah. So what happens uh, to, to recap is uh, Nick ends up going on TV. The idea that they have is we need to get out in front of the fact that you had an affair, mm-hmm. so we're going to put you on national television and you're going to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. And then the like. About an hour before they're going to tape that interview, uh, the the girlfriend uh, shows up, flanked by Amy's parents, <laughs> and dressed like a, uh, I don't know. Like a Quaker or something? Yeah, like a Quaker. <laughs> um, talking about how much she regrets the affair. And he's like, oh, shit. So, thankfully, Nick turns around, goes on TV, and knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And says what he needed to say, which is, I am not a good guy. Like, I'm not a murderer. I didn't kill my wife. But I am a, du- I am a dickhead. Um, and I'm not going to run from that fact. Um, and kind of the fun where that uh, where that realization comes that he has to do that was during kind of a fun thing, almost like an episode of Veep or something, like sort of training him of what he has to do on camera, throwing oh, yeah. gummy bears at him. <laughs> and then he catches the one in his mouth. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Um, but yeah, then he goes on and he crushes it. And uh, then then uh, Desi and Amy watch that in Desi's creepy mountainside compound. Yeah, that, um, was, that was a fun editing choice The uh, that you don't see the interview they insist that it's great and then you do get to watch it and it <laughs> with is. her it's great yeah, yeah. no that, that that was a really really good call um and then yeah they uh they watch it with uh, white wine and custard mm-hmm. and or creme brulee <laughs> and did, i didn't notice this time uh that that she, da, that uh amy starts eating desi's creme brulee oh, in really? the middle of it <laughs> yeah like at one point he, she just grabs his and starts going for it and that's the one he takes away from her at the end oh really yeah and I don't really, you know, know the subtext of that. I haven't really puzzled it out. But it is it is a great... Uh, if that was just a little in-the-moment choice by Rosamund Pike, fucking hats <laughs> off to you. Rosamund Pike, overall, is just fantastic in this film. Like, yeah. she is she is wonderful. I think she pulls it off. Oh, I'd be God. scared. Because, <laughs> like I said before, it would be so easy to for her to push herself into, like, a righteous anger. Mm-hmm. But she's... I, it's, it's very, very cool that Amy manages to be legitimately despicable but also very complex because mm-hmm. everybody shies away from the whole like make the, your villains like straight up wrong like this um, because I feel like the, the <laughs> and they might be people with a few knobs turned in different directions <laughs> yeah yeah or like because everybody's like oh no we have to make them righteous or else they're fucking uh, one dimensional like the there's this this hacky idea that the only way to make a villain like uh, a villain interesting is to make them. You know, I mean, I guess she does really believe in the rightness of her cause, mm-hmm. but she's so fucking clearly vindictive and childish, right? That it's like there is no greater cause here. She's not like saying, "Oh, I'm striking a blow for women everywhere." She doesn't give a <laughs> shit about women everywhere. She gives a shit about herself. <laughs> yeah, and I love that about her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Selfishness is a, a pretty key. Uh component of this movie oh yeah yeah for sure um so yeah then they they drink white wine desi pours it loudly yeah and the that, whole... that was what i remembered that's yeah. a fun bit it is it is just this wonderful silent domestic comedy because it's all about desi watching uh amy like fall back in love with nick and mm-hmm. knowing he's seeing it and just trying to like get her back mm-hmm. um and like saying things like you don't have to he's not around anymore you don't have to worry about that <laughs> but what he's really saying is fucking let that shit go you're with me now and in kind of um a way where these people are smart in some ways and totally blind to their own emotions and in, in inadequacies in another yeah. like you feel like even though it's clearly um it's driven by selfishness and all that. Desi 
can probably tell that Ben Affleck is a bullshit artist. Like yeah. he can see it in a way that she can't just in the way that, you know, all the characters can see different things about each other. Yeah. 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 It's great. Um, so after they watch the interview, that's when Amy decides that Desi has to die. Um, so that she like, it really is a pretty good little judo flip. She pulls to get out of this situation. Like she, I was wondering how she was going to fucking get her, you know, get out of the corner. She painted herself into, but, uh, including getting Ben Affleck off, which is an impressive aspect of it. Yeah. Like she manages it. Um, so basically, she frames Desi for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows there's these security cameras, so she goes into the bathroom, or she knows there won't be cameras. She binds her wrists so she can get ligature marks. Yep. Um, she rapes herself with a wine bottle. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. <laughs> um, that that was hard to watch. The yeah, not a time. small looking wine bottle either. No, <laughs> no, and really just 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 ooh. <laughs> it's it is clear she wants to leave a mark. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, running to the window, screaming is yeah. one of the most disturbing shots in that movie. Like, like throwing red wine all over her her crotch so it'll pick up the, in the camera because she knows it's black and white, so they won't be able to tell it's red wine and not blood. Yeah, um, and, and like, just screaming in agony up against the window silently too. Yeah. Like I think because it's implied in the shot design that she's not actually screaming; she's just doing mime work. Mm-hmm. Oh god, horrible. <laughs> So then she uh, grabs Desi when he gets home, brings her upstairs, and the most, I think, the most infamous scene in this film occurs, Mm -hmm. which I actually rewound and watched twice, because it's so well put together. (laughs) Just the way the score swells. So basically, uh, they have sex, and then she slits his throat at the moment of climax, and then bathes in her blood. Bathes in his blood. Box cutter under the pillow. Yeah. I wrote more oral than most movies as my note on the, how that scene starts. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, she she, you know, she she's no stranger to foreplay, which is nice of her. I mean, if she's going to kill him, you know. Indeed. Um and it's important to uh to make him come inside her as we find out. Oh yeah. 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 If you're going to have a plan, you have to go all the way. God. Oh. <laughs> And he doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't last very long either. Um, I don't know how purposeful that was. but uh, And then we get a shot of bloody NPH dick. Um, yeah, that's in this movie. Um, and they, yeah, they don't shy away from the blood waterfall coming God. out on top of her. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he had Jesus. to be on top. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then she, she drives home and just shows up. And uh, and then in front of all the cameras, he, he whispers in her uh, in her, in her uh, ear. Nick whispers in her ear, uh, you fucking bitch, I think. <laughs> was it, Do we know how far away that cabin was? I'm just wondering how long she was on the road. <laughs> Covered in blood? Yeah. I have no idea. It's like a Pulp Fiction type question. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so then she ends up, she's at the hospital telling everybody her story, and she looks so Norman Bates in this scene, <laughs> where she's sitting there, because there's a scene, she tells her story to all the FBI agents, and Kim Dickens keeps, like, kind of trying to poke holes in it, and can clear, can definitely see that there's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and, uh, you know, is saying, like, well, why was there blood on the Punch and Judy puppet? Like, or no, because uh, she says that Desi hit her with that, and he's like, well, how'd you lose it? Like, your story doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. Um... And then uh, Kim Dickens leaves, and then she and Nick are talking about, you know, if she was tied up the whole time, how'd she get a hold of a box cutter? Like, <laughs> um, all this shit. And then they say, well, you know, do you think you'd believe her? And they look through the window, and she just looks, she totally looks like Norman Bates at the end of Psycho <laughs> with, like, I won't even swat this fly. They'll see. <laughs> and they do that kind of spy movie trick of building up her badass cred by opening the scene with she's on fairly heavy painkillers. Oh, but yeah. is like gonna fight through it and that's it's just so great of yeah. like oh i'm gonna take this and i can just shut down whatever question i don't want to answer <laughs> yeah oh it's wonderful <laughs> but it is it, it, that the the norman bates thing made me like rethink how much this movie owes to alfred hitchcock mm-hmm. like i mean just the twistiness of it and you know the because oh, that's i mean that's that's fucking vertigo like i mean vertigo is just mm. the same movie twice <laughs> um, <laughs> you know they're uh they're they're doing sort of of a similar thing i mean i think the, i think he's making a conscious nod towards like yeah guys i know what i did mm-hmm. um and we do too dave and that's fine because it was great um and then there's that uh goddamn bizarre shower scene um yeah like all good marriages she needs to make sure he's not wearing a wire yeah um so they go get in the shower and she washes all this blood away like none of it ever happened um and then we get that uh basically she lays out for him like no like you're stuck 
Um, we're going to be the perfect couple now. We're going to be media sweethearts. Um, and then Tanner Bolt actually says in their last meeting, like, dude, you're going to get a franchise of your bar. You're going to get book rights. You're going to get movie rights. Like, you're going to be fine now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is a win for you, except you have to live with a psychopath. <laughs> um, so crazy-ass Nancy Grace bitch comes over to their house for the interview. It's the end of the whole thing. There's a great scene before that where... Uh, where uh morning handsome where amy has made nick crepes mm-hmm. um you remember that where uh basically she's saying like here's here are the three things i'm going to need from you in the interview <laughs> in order to feel safe uh-huh um she's so horrible and she knows she holds all the cards i i really liked how they unfolded the um that she inseminated herself with his sperm <laughs> and that, but how well that she's was so evil. <laughs> well how well it was layered in and because wasn't it done as part of um the laundry list of shit that didn't make a whole lot of sense about nick's story yeah yeah and so like it was presented along with sort of the the insurance and blah 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 so yeah. it, i thought it sort of effectively lumped in there without sticking out yeah. that his sperm is out there somewhere <laughs> yeah his sperm is definitely out there somewhere <laughs> um yeah and uh yeah she she gets herself pregnant and then they have to go on tv for poor fucking twin sister margo is destroyed by this <laughs> yeah and like you know i'm behind you but i and that, correct me if i'm wrong but it feels like in that scene like nick is kind of getting into the idea of sticking with her like do you think maybe there's a part of him and i'm just spitballing but do you think there's a part of him that is impressed with the kind of woman it turns out amy is and can respect her more like he's found a certain joie de vivre um i don't know that i necessarily saw that i i think i would agree that that there is a, a bit of a turn from him that um played to me as a little bit like once you've made the decision like why try and kill yourself over it yeah kind of like, like she set the trap and it was a good trap and i'm fucked so yeah i mean oh well she is an intelligent attractive blonde like <laughs> you could do worse uh-huh. yeah and i mean sort of god i got so you turned could... around in the unfolding did he want kids <laughs> um like, or... n- n- amy didn't want kids yeah he so did. like so he is ultimately kind of getting what he wants so is there the there is that aspect of it yeah and there's just i mean i think a lot of it was just like i'm not going to leave my child with this monster Mm -hmm. um you know um so which which i definitely get that makes a whole lot of sense um but you know it seemed a little bit like Margot was saying to him like you kind of are into this like Mm -hmm. and i don't like that about you like he was slow Um, clapping well played yeah a little <laughs> didn't bit. think you had it in you which like you know goes back to the main theme of like nobody knows anybody because now margo's mm-hmm. looking at her her brother and saying like oh you i didn't know about the affair i didn't know that you would be kind of into this shit like i don't know what kind of person you are anymore but i'm mm-hmm. gonna stick with you anyway because i'm one of the two good people in this film yeah um, i did think that was that was probably the sweetest thing in the whole like the uh the turnaround with of course i'm with you like, yeah you fucking idiot yeah but i need to scream at you yeah and uh yeah so she trapped him um and that's that uh (laughs) (laughs) she came back she's turned him into the doting husband and made him confess all his sins on national television and now uh, i guess we should say the what the actual sort of mechanic that drives it is he has a big speech planned to yeah to unveil all this on national television yeah and then she plays the child card so sort of the the is it the it's the last scene right is yeah the, the, the interview between is, them yeah you see i forgot about that you mm. see him alone in the bathroom with both the faucets on so she can't hear <laughs> practicing his speech and he's about to go on fake nancy grace and uh and elucidate her many sins and then she comes in and says uh open this box and it's a pregnancy test and it's positive and she's and he's like oh fuck <laughs> check yeah. and mate amy you really are amazing uh, <laughs> i was amazed by her um yeah. yeah so that's how this movie ends uh with the saddest ending ever that like the villain wins uh, like she uh, the most thorough win she could have gotten was to just totally get away with it and mm-hmm. uh then just run off to like monaco or something barring that i mean she kind of succeeds in her original goal like almost more than (laughs) yeah i mean now she's got you know a husband again that like pretty much has to do whatever she wants she's back on plan a (laughs) (laughs) oh god she's the worst (laughs) 
She's so goddamn horrible. <laughs> you so guys. the moral of the story is... Uh, I don't know if they're... I mean, the moral of the story is never trust anyone for any reason. Yeah. Except Sisters maybe, are okay. Yeah, maybe your twin sister. <laughs> or a lawyer. You're paying a lot, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah, your sister's paying a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's fucking Gone Girl. Um, yeah. Sad times. <laughs> real, real sad, sad times. Yep. So I, I believe... Um, I put us on this path. Yeah, so, you did. Uh, yeah, you did. Have you um, thought about what you want to do? Um, yeah, I uh, I was going back and forth because we saw Mad Max Fury Road kind of recently. I was thinking about going and catching that again because <laughs> it's... Guys, Mad Max Fury Road is really, really goddamn good. Yes, it is. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of uh, feeling a little bit finchery. So, and I haven't seen it in a while. I was going to suggest, you know, maybe it'd be an interesting study if we could rewatch Seven. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Sisevenin. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, kind of compare and contrast like early Fincher and later Fincher. Mm, that's a good idea. Or um, I'll leave it to you. I'm going to give you two options. Okay. We can watch that or we can watch Alien 3. <laughs> Alien 3. Uh, two questions. Yeah. <laughs> Theatrical or work print cut? Work print. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I would have to watch it twice. But anyway. <laughs> oh, you've never seen Alien 3? I've seen it. I haven't seen the work print. Oh, okay. I guess well, we could count it. Yeah. yeah, you can count it. It's fine. I'm not going to make you watch the work print of Alien 3 two times. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I've been wanting to watch it for years, but uh, how long is it? Do you know if it's like four hours or something? No, it's definitely not four hours. It's uh, it's it's reasonable movie length. I don't think the uh, I don't think the the work print is appreciably longer. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be not not too too bad. Nah, um, I mean, that sounds good to me, and I've I've never seen it. And we can get back to seven as well. Yeah, well, we'll 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 end up back there. I mean, we both really really like David Venture, so oh yeah, it's only an hour and fifty four minutes. Okay, cool. So yeah, or no, that's the theatrical. Sorry, never mind. I don't know how long eh. it is. It's probably around there. I can't imagine they stretch it two extra hours yeah, or anything yeah. crazy like that. Yeah, it's um, not the Spinal Tap work print. <laughs> oh, the Spinal Tap work print is like the version that I found years ago online somewhere is about six hours long. I think. Oh my god, there's a six hour version of. Sp- I want to watch that. <laughs> yeah. I've never sat down to watch it. From from what I still have it, I, I think so. How are we friends? And you haven't given me that. Like, <laughs> we'll watch it someday. Yay! <laughs> I feel like this might have come up on an earlier episode. It might. Point. I mean, probably the Spinal Tap episode. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's probably why I didn't watch it for that. Yeah. But um, I mean, everything I've heard is sort of like eh, it's a lot of duplicate jokes, a lot of drop threads that don't make that much sense. Yeah. But anyway, mm. getting off track. And two Alien more. And two more hours of Billy Crystal. <laughs> 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 Mime is money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll watch Alien Three. Um. In in until then, everybody. Uh. Just you know, don't don't trust or love anyone. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Break. <laughs>